Today, we're learning from Ralph Grippo, the president of Terranea Resort. This conversation was a really fun one for me because my previous company bought out the resort for an offsite event a few years ago, and I wasn't able to make it because I got COVID a few days before it started. But everyone who participated in that event who was on property couldn't stop talking about how amazing the service was and how much they loved the overall experience. Well, last week, the team at Terranea actually invited me to visit uh, the property and host me there so I could speak with their team and learn more about this amazing culture. And from the very first moments, I saw for myself what everyone was talking about. When I got to my room, I hadn't eaten for a very long time, so I ordered room service and got to talking with one of their team members, Jose, who totally unprompted, uh, wasn't somebody I was planning to speak with, but unprompted told me how he had retired, but returned to work at the property because of how much he loved working for Mr. Grippo. In this episode, you're going to hear behind the scenes on all of this, starting out with how Ralph wants his team to feel, and then getting into what he's learned leading one of California's premier resorts. Hospitality. 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 Hospitality brings people together. This is Hospitality Daily, the show that helps you stay informed and inspired each day by the most interesting people in hospitality. My name is Josiah McKenzie, and my goal is to help you reconnect with why you work in this industry and get fired up to go out there, delight others, and reach your goals. Let's get started. What do you want your associates here to feel when they're working here? Because Jose had such a great experience. I imagine that was not an accident. What do you want your teammates here to feel while they're working here for you? Oh, God. I mean, there's a variety of things. I want them to feel, I mean, in no particular order per se, but enriched, empowered, I'll just throw some words, respected for sure, cared for understanding their aspirations. What do they want to do? You know, does some person want to be a general manager? Some person said, I just want to work four hours a day, three days a week, because it fits in my lifestyle. Fulfilling their aspirations. I want them to feel they know I'm here for them. That's what I do to take care of them. If I take care of them, they take care of their guests and guests come back and pay more. And that's how our business runs. So there's so many things that I strive. And quite frankly, that's the part I love as much as anything. I love take care of the guests. Certainly love running a business financially, but it's the associates. And we have a relationship that they can come talk to me. You don't need to schedule a meeting. We were in the hallway, said, you know, Mr. G, can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah, when? Would you have to schedule a meeting? No, how about now? Or tell me when. I'll make it work. That's why I said, you have my schedule. And then there's a few things that happen along the way. So I want them to feel as though we're a family. And we may not all get along every day. We may not all agree about everything every day. But as long as we know we care for each other, we respect each other, that they know they're empowered. It's not like I'm going to get in trouble if I do something that I... Don't know if I should do, but that you do it and take care of the guests as long as it's not illegal and no one goes to a hospital. So the, all those things, and that's a mindset that you hope that you have found the right people that want that too, so that there's a cultural part that fits, not me trying to convince you or drive that down your throat. And you're like, I don't want to be empowered and I don't want to feel like a family. I just want to work, come to work, do some stuff. And when I'm done, leave. So that's what I hope we get out of working together. I can't wait to meet more people from your team. I had a great chat with Caitlin about her experience working here. And it's fun. I always love meeting the people behind the incredible travel experiences that we have. I would love to talk about this property. I spoke with Tom Larson a couple months ago, and he said one of the goals that he has is creating projects that are indigenous, in his words, to the local communities. And he thinks about 
you know, stewarding not just the business, but the community broadly. When you kind of think about some of those themes, what do they mean for you in running this place? Yeah, I've always felt you need to be part of the community. I've always lived in around the community that I worked over at the resort I was working with. You want to be a fabric of the community. We're a neighbor. I mean, look across the street, down the road, there's people that live here. We're just the bigger house on this particular piece of property. You know, as silly as it may sound, you'd hope one of our neighbors, instead if they didn't know how to make a bolognese sauce, that they would feel comfortable calling us and say, hey, I talked to your chef. Now everybody can YouTube and find recipes. It's easy enough to do. But that they feel as though we're part of the neighborhood, that they appreciate it. And again, this is a very special place because without the neighbors that have been here a long time, it would have never been built. So they are very much vested in this place. And perhaps we're concerned, like, what would it mean if there was this big resort here? How will it change the neighborhood? I think if you interviewed a thousand of them, you'd say 999, said, it's spectacular. We never thought it'd be this spectacular. But that they trust that we are a good neighbor. So whether it's about our employees and where do they park and how do they drive and when they leave and do we, you know, make sure if we see something on the street that it's just as much part of our street that it is our own home, that we pick up trash and that we're a good neighbor, we're a good steward of our community, as well as being part of different organizations and how do we give back and how do we participate. I always say that very carefully and cautiously at the same time, because this is a business. We're not a charity. We're not philanthropists, you know, where everybody be like, can you give me, can I get this? Can you help this? And I am always very focused. If I can't do it 100%, meaning, can you join this board? Can you be part of this event? If I can't do it 100%, I'd rather say, I don't want to fail you. I'm already part of something else. And again, I go back to the associates. They're my primary. Everything else is a fabric of that. So am I on the board of the chamber? Yes. Do we host the Palos Verdes Coastal Conservancy events because of the land and the light? Yes. Could we be involved with every organization in this community? Yes, but it may not be the best choice for all of us each and every day. Because again, we got to stay focused on what we're here to do. How do you think about stewarding the land? You're on an incredible piece of property. And how do you think about that? Well, it's hard to ignore the ocean. That's a couple hundred yards away. And so what does that mean? Again, I will not be the expert, but it's simple enough to me. I've always lived or lived long enough along the coast, California coast. And how do we just do better? You know, so I'll be honest with you. I'm on a mission to rid ourselves of plastic. Will I change the world? I don't know. But could I help do a better job? Yes. But when I take plastic caps, we're on the ocean. If that were to get into the ocean, I don't know what it causes, but I know it's not good. Straws, you know, how do we rid ourselves? So we have a sustainability team that helps around our property to collect trash and plastics and the like. But we actually have plastic. So we're not helping ourselves. So I love the ocean. I love the California coast. And I've been in organizations to help protect, not necessarily the sea, but what could lead into the sea. Because I think that's where it starts. So we have a commitment to ourselves because of where we are location-wise. There's other things. We have a falconeer, and it's a neat, cool thing, but it also is a authentic way to not have other things, whether seagulls roaming around and other rodents or other things, and it's a natural way to help do the right thing. I don't think any customer says, gosh, I love how the seagulls swarm when I'm at your restaurant, <laughs> but it's a natural way, and it's also a cool thing. So I think it's fun, but also is authentic to us to do the right thing. We could be sneaky and others could try to go here, let's get traps and go hire this guy to go. Sure, there's no things like that, but we're going about a different way. Is it more expensive? Maybe, but is it kind of cool, neat and meaningful? Yeah. 
couple of years ago, the company I was working for, there's 300 people. They bought up a big chunk of the place here. We did our annual offsite and I got COVID a day before we had to come. So I missed it. <laughs> but hearing so many stories of so many colleagues who found this place transformational made me so excited to talk with you and see for myself what this was. I'm curious, even just driving down here is so beautiful. What do you want your guests to feel while they're here on your yeah. property? I want them to feel an emotional connection, not just to the place. In fact, less to the place than the people. If we went back in time and not too long ago, I've been here just shy of two years, but we'd have customers tell us in surveys, God, what a magical place. We love it there. The views are spectacular and the service was good. I want them to have a connection with a person. Like when I pulled up, Sergio was knew my name and took care of me, welcomed me back. And I leaned at the front desk, made me feel so welcome. And Jose, who brought me room service, and John at the pool bar made little fun smoothies for my kids. Like that connection is meaningful. The day that AI takes us over, we're no longer people. We don't have blood run through our veins. We don't have emotions. I don't know. But I want them to feel that it's authentic. It's not programmed. I worked for Ritz Carlton years ago, many, many years ago. And, you know, we used to say, certainly my pleasure, certainly like it was robotic. It was like we pulled the string and we were told to say it. There was a reason for it, but I want people to feel naturally comfortable and have made a connection with people, but serving them at a higher level to have some refinement, not refinement like stuffy stodgy, but comfortable. Do we present ourselves well? Do we groom ourselves well? Do we say, hey, how you doing? Or good afternoon, welcome. It's just a different approach. I want them to feel that they're appreciated and enjoyed and they can rid themselves as soon as they turn into the driveway that all the traffic and the troubles at home and the work issues and the things in life that may be causing them angst that now it's a sanctuary and our people take care of you. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you enjoying this conversation? If so, I invite you to text this episode to a friend or a colleague as well. Not only will you let them know that you're thinking about them, but you'll help them as well. One more thing, I'm having a lot of fun right now sharing videos and photos from the stories on the show, so if you'd like to see those or watch along, open up Instagram and YouTube now and follow Hospitality Daily so we can stay in touch. All right, let's get back to the conversation. What are some of the things that you feel you've worked across so many incredible organizations and you have kind of shaped a lot of the culture that's here? I'm curious how you operationalize this sort of way of thinking First, I think it starts with the right people. Have you selected the right people? Do they have similar values? Because I don't think I could teach people at some point in their life, we are who we are, you know, whether through our families, our friends, TV, our environment, we are who we are. But do we have similar values? And I often think of sports. Why do some teams win more than others? Because there's a culture. And they say, don't come to play here unless you understand our culture of excellence and how we're going to approach things. So I don't think I could teach everybody to care. I think I could teach them how to cook and clean and park cars. So do we have the right people? And then quite frankly, it's being a role model, but at the same time, holding ourselves accountable. You know, if two associates are walking down the hall and they pass each other and they didn't say good morning, I'd be like, hey, hey guys, we got to say good morning. Oh yeah, you know, we all get distracted. We all have these things in our hand and in our mind and other stuff that may be going through our brains, but do we repeat it? So we've created cultural platform that really speaks to it and speaks to excellence. You know, it's one thing to speak to memories and enjoyment. Well, I don't know, McDonald's is a good memory and enjoyment. Watching some YouTube is a new enjoyment, but you know, what does excellence look like? Because we are looking to reposition ourselves and move into a category of competing with the finest resorts in the world. Not easy. And it shouldn't be about the ocean. That should be the icing on the cake 
not the cake. The people and the culture starts first. You know, who makes your bed? Not the ocean. Who parks your car? Not the whale cruising by. So those are add-ons and we're very fortunate to have such a thing because it's exceptional. But having a culture where they know you're cared for, you understand expectations. We go through daily lineups every day, which we call them energizers. And it's repeat, 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 you know, whether it's about one day grooming standards or understanding how to approach a guest and greet them in a special manner. What are the hours of operations of things so that people, if they ask questions, you're resourceful versus, oh, I don't know, you know. So I look for us to have people who want to be part of that, who say, I want to be the best. I want to be Jose and come back and be part of something special. We are on this journey to being a Forbes five star. And we're only on that journey. I don't need a patch or a lapel or a pin or some plaque on the wall. But I know that then it represents who we're trying to serve at a higher level. Will more people that will have a better experience pay more? I think so, which is we're not going to have any more rooms. So to grow our business, it's not like I can sell more phones like Apple. I need to be able to sell them as many rooms or more rooms, but people pay a little bit more or the food pay a little bit more and have it more meaningful, not just because I charged you more. In fact, you go, gosh, they didn't charge me enough. So I think it's the people. Again, people do the work mm. and they make it happen. Tell me more about these daily energizers. Who's participating? Who's leading them? When and where do they happen? Well, they happen every day in every department, sometimes two, three times a day, depending yeah. on your shifts. Mm -hmm. And it's the department head and or one of the supervisors. And it's quite frankly, we carry it with us Yeah. and we speak to it and it reminds us of what we're here to do. So we call it tearing it together. So it has a lot of information, but today is being exceptionally, guests is exceptionally comfortable in the room. Is it free of defects? You know, if a housekeeper walks through, did they make sure if there was a nick on the wall, did we tell engineering? So you just have to repeat, repeat, repeat. Otherwise we'll come to work, we'll be busy, we'll work hard, we'll come back and do it tomorrow. But did we get better at what we do? And we're all humans, we only remember so much. I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but if we repeat it and do it every day, and they're literally lineups for 10, 15 minutes. So it's not a long meeting. It could be five minutes, depending on the apartment size and what exercise or energizer we're doing. I'd love to hear a little more of your thoughts on culture because listening to you, it seems that it's this commitment to excellence. It's this commitment to getting better every day. What other things come to mind when you think about defining culture? What is that to you? Yeah, culture is, it's really at the heart of, for me, again, maybe it started the early days of Ritz-Carlton when there was four Ritz-Carltons in the world. I thought we were as much a human resource company of culture than we were a hotel hospitality company. I was very young, so I didn't grow up in an environment like that. I never knew what luxury was and know all the things I know today. But it was selecting the right people, caring for each other, training, inspiring, recognizing, yes, holding accountable as well, but do we get people inspired and excited? Do we know each other's names? Do we truly do what we say? Or we just put a bunch of signs on the wall and hope that they're the message that gets through to everybody. And then every day, you know, part of my day is, in fact, most of the day that I enjoy the most is being out on the floor or behind the walls and doing just that. Part of it is to be that representative and making sure I'm doing it and they see it. So they're like, gosh, because I reinforce it. Sometimes it's holding people accountable and you just walk by a piece of paper and you didn't do anything. That light was blinking. You didn't do anything to help teach. I always think, you know, some people may say, guys, you're always picking out what's wrong. Go, Actually, I'm just teaching. It's coaching. Call it what you want, but it's teaching so that each day we get better. I think about helping people. If you're truly inspired to be the best you can be, and I used to tell my kids, this, I don't care what you do. Just be the best of whatever you're going to do. You know, be a doctor or a lawyer. I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom or school teacher. Just be the best at it and inspire people to achieve their 
greatest excellence. And it's usually never anything big. It's small stuff. Did we just not smile today? When it rains, it's harder for me to smile. I'm not as happy. But if you can bring people together and inspire them to do so because they would like to do so, then you have a chance. Someone's person once said you have five choices in life. You could be bad at what you do. You could be average. You could be good. Or you could be exceptional elite. Maybe we're all born enough to be good at something. But exceptional elite is a whole nother level. You know, is it, are you committed? Are you focused? Are you dedicated? Like you said, we're never closed. So it's not like, oh, let's stop today, lock the door and go home. We don't have that choice. But if you enjoy it, like you said, if you love what you do, where you do it, and who you do it with, it's not work. So I try to create that environment. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about how you introduce associates that maybe don't have a background in luxury. You mentioned that was kind of your career story. You didn't have this background. Same kind of for myself. There's a lot of family road trips. There's a lot of Motel 6s. And it almost seems like it can be challenging if you haven't experienced this. And I imagine you have some associates, mid like us, maybe didn't have some of that career 100%. background. How do you get them to get a sense of the vision of what you want to provide your guests? Yeah, again, part of it is in the selection. But let's just assume they're all here. It's perhaps just, again, the teaching. Let's show. So I'm looking over chairs. Are they aligned? No. Like, well, let me go. Is, should this be creased a little bit better? And go show it and teach it. And then come back. And like, hey, how did we do tomorrow? Are we getting better? If all those little things drive you crazy, you'll go crazy. But it's all in the details. And so for me, it is like coaching and the teaching and hope that we get a little bit better, a little bit better. Maybe tomorrow's just a little bit better. But it is, it's a journey. It's not a destination by any means because some will come and go. Every day is different. I would say it's easy to renovate a room because it just takes time and money. You can paint the room and it's done. But to renovate people and change their mindset is different for everybody. So there's a thousand variations of what that may mean for him, her, or somebody else. How quickly will they get it? Will they get it? So it's ongoing every day to get us there, but teaching, coaching, and then bring people together. And then I always say, share the why, you know, why is that important? And let's just take a banquet server. There's a service charge. People pay the service charge. They'll pay the percentage off of what number and you get all that money. You want it to go up or you want it to go down? And nobody ever says, no, I hope it goes down. So if we get better, we can charge more. Or if we get better, maybe they'll come back more often and the tip pool increases and you do better. So what you put in, you also get something out. It's not just me trying to, again, I don't need the plaque. I don't need the pin. What's interesting, I think, as you talk about kind of making money from this, I think this is where the business of hospitality is interesting because you can do better financially as guests are delighted, as your associates are delighted. And whether it's a specific example, as you mentioned, something I've also gathered in preparing for this interview, I hear you do a great job on this property with monetizing every square foot. We, and we, I we think try. I would love to kind of get your thoughts on this because a lot of people talk about wanting to do this. And from what I've gathered, and you actually do a good job here. Well, how are you thinking about monetizing all the space here? And yeah. how do you approach that? Well, Tom may tell you, because Tom's like, gosh, I need to do so much. I need you to tell these stories because we had a leadership conference last week. Like, you know, how do you do it? I first start with, it's easy to not do anything ever in life, right? And maybe some are concerned or the fear of failure, but I think you fail if you don't do anything. I'd rather fail at doing something than fail to ever try to do anything. So with that in mind, I think it's a few prongs. So it's not always the monetization and generating profit. The intent is yes, but it also creates activation and interesting things and other things to do and differentiates us from just Look, we all have hotel rooms. We all may have a restaurant. We all may have a bar. We all may have a spa. But how do you activate it? How do you bring it to life other than just transactional? 
So in a place like this, we're fortunate to have 100 acres. So we could do a lot of cool things and neat things. And many of them make great money, but some of them are also amenity-esque to have for kids, for those who like wine, for those who like art, for those who like entertainment. So we create different types of activations. So there's always something for everybody. I think it also helps us better serve because we've spread them out versus if everybody went to one pool, probably not going to do so well. If everybody went to one restaurant at noon or seven, I probably won't do as well versus if I can also spread them out and have them enjoy other things. I mean, you can make it as simple as we have entertainment every night in our lobby bar. Now, someone could say, well, we just have it on the weekend because that's when we're busy. Well, what makes a luxury traveler any different on a Tuesday than a Saturday? Technically nothing. And the affluent consumer can go anywhere, anytime. So we don't just make it Saturday in the summer, which was something of the past, or it's not just for kids. It's for everybody. So we appeal in everybody. So we do on Sundays, we do slow smoke Sundays because we found down at Nelson's, if you haven't been around, in the summer, we have a music series. And it'd be packed, three, 400 people. So we said it's a great space, kind of rustic, meant to be rustic because the California Coast Commission meant to be sort of natural. And now we have a couple hundred people on a Sunday. It's like a barbecue, you know, like a Texas barbecue. And now we get a couple hundred people that space was not used. Sunday would just be empty, is now activated. I always say, have you ever gone to a restaurant and see it empty? You go, eh, but not right there. Versus a place that's busy is just more interesting and more fun. We have a taco truck. We do a taqueria. We have kid events where we're tie-dye t-shirts and different type of games. We had a mermaid down the beach that there's no monetization for the mermaid, but it created somebody who's like, that's really cool. And they're taking pictures and they're like, well, I want to go back to that place, mom, because it's so fun. We had a Classe Azul wine dinner, wine dinner, Classe Azul tequila dinner. It's very cool to pair tequila if you like tequila. Lots of activation to create things to do, generate revenue as well, and use the space we have. So it's fun. You mentioned earlier this resort wouldn't have been built if it wasn't for the support of the community. Imagine it's better to have a resort than a factory in a place. But with all the things that you're doing here, do you find there's members of the community that are coming on here as well? Yeah, I think a great compliment to us as well as it's enjoyed by others. Truth is where we are located in the peninsula, there's not a lot of things. You have to either go north or south or east or west, depending on how you want to think about where we are. So there's not a lot of things on the peninsula, but it's a highly affluent residential area. So if there's a dozen good restaurants, we have five. So we're very much part of that. And it gives those in the community something to do in their backyard that's enjoyable. So we are also exposed to, and when I say exposed in a positive way, the walking trails that are around the resort. So people may be walking around on a Saturday or any given day with their dogs or just having a walk and a hike. And all of a sudden there's a taqueria or there's some booze over here and let's stop and enjoy some of the things that we have. So we're open to the public as much as we are for our resort guests. Is there anything top of mind for you now, things that you're proud of, things that you're looking yeah. forward to? I want to just open it up to what's on your mind. Well, I'm very proud of our team because mm-hmm. we've come a long way. Again, to change mindset is not easy. And I think we've come a long way. Our journey for being a five-star is again, not because of Forbes, it's just what it represents. And I think it's meaningful. You don't go to great lengths to build a place like this in this location to say, let's be good. Like, how do we become exceptional? I've worked in those environments for a long time in many different locations, so I know it's possible. So there's nothing that we can't do that others already do. It just needs to be a revamping of culture, a little bit more focus, and then have fun along the way. So yes, I go back to the people, but then some things in there are the, call it what you will, the process. So how do we make it more personal? How do we make it more memorable to you as a person, not just generic as a guest? So 
implementing what we've started this past year in the guest service program. So we had to start somewhere. But if you're staying in a villa and you're paying $3,000 a night, you're affluent. But do we know what you want, when you want it, how you want it? Or do we just deliver it generically? And it could come down to, let's just say we're going to send an amenity to a VIP. Well, what would you like to have? Uh, red wine. What type of red wine? Pinot, Cabernet, Zin, Merlot, uh, Cabernet. What is your favorite Cabernet? Camus. What year? So if you can get down to where you really understand, you separate yourself from just being average. And maybe you don't like wine at all. Maybe you don't drink. Well, what type of coconut water? What type of granola bar? Do you like granola bars? And so I go back to the many years of the comedy where it used to be hoteliers would send a bottle of wine and cheese. And it'd be in your room waiting. And the joke would be, you know, by the time you get there, 10 o'clock at night, the white wine is in a water bucket, no longer with ice. The cheese is smelled up the room and you don't like wine and blue cheese makes you ill. You've actually just shown me you don't care at all versus finding a way to personalize it. So we actually could be doing more damage. So I'm very proud of what we've started to get to personalize guest experiences understand what they want. Do we know their kids' names? And we're fortunate where there's a check that come in, there's a kiosk for parking. So we're like, we're able to know like, oh, that's the Joneses and there's Ethan and hey, Julie, I know you just had your 16th birthday. Like, oh, like you've now made it a connection that is different than just guest day transactions. So we've come a long way. I think our employees have come a long way, our associates, and we're on a journey, we're getting there. So I'm proud of where we're going. It's interesting even going through that process of arriving here and meeting your associates and kind of, I found their attentiveness to getting my name and details on the stay stood out to me. But I'm curious what you see as sort of the role of technology, if at all, or if it has a role at all in any of this, because I think I come from a technology background and sometimes tech people think that everything comes down to tech and it doesn't. And I think what you described, like you don't technically need tech to have these conversations. But I wonder, I mean, let me know if I'm I'm curious. No, you're 100%. If tech plays a role. One of our values, company values is innovation. Mm -hmm. And whenever you say the word, you're like, oh, Apple, and what are we doing in technology? And, you know, jokingly, I sometimes say, look, I will not be the most high tech guy. I understand. But if you're looking for me to come up with some truly technical creation, I'm not your guy. But in innovating is sometimes just making yourself better improving on what you do or finding a solution, build a better mousetrap of a process. And so technology helps in certain things. So for example, we use IntelliD. So it's an app. I can check in your room. I can send it to you. You can have your key in advance. It's technology. It's wonderful. But I wouldn't want it at this point in life where personalization and we're still humans and in luxury, that's what people still seek is what you can't buy we can all go to Amazon and push a button and get stuff. How paper towels arrive in two hours, I don't know. But what you can't buy is time. We all get the same amount. What you can't buy is experiences that you put in your mind and that you get to you know, always think through whether you have a picture or not. So those are the things that you'll carry forever. And people that want to use their time, is it memorable use of time or is it just, I was here for 24 hours on the planet. So the more we can make a connection where you go, wow, maybe technology had nothing to do with it, but we knew your name. Everybody has a name. It's the most valued thing we all have individually, and it's meaningful. And so use of guest name is important. You know, how do you show that you care? And I meet with everybody in orientation. I'm the first person to meet. So they get an hour of me and sort of like injection of the Kool-Aid, and I watch and see. But I use different stories. But if I came up to you and said, hey, how are you? Good to see you. Welcome. Like, how do you feel? I didn't feel very welcome. Didn't you hear what I said? So eye contact and expressing, how are you? Good to see you. Welcome. Oh, yeah, and I feel better. You got to do it then. 
You know, you can't text me that. Thank you for the technology, but that's still human beings. And empowerment, it's easy to say, but do you really do it? Because it's easy to say no. So creating all that are emotional and more memorable than perhaps the apps and all the technology, but they play a part, make no mistake about it. It seems like it's a supporting cast. It's not, it can't be the main show. Not for us. Right. You know, if I wanted to be a place where, and I'm only serving a demographic that has never been inside a bank, have no idea what an eight track player looks like, would think holding a newspaper is disgusting, but we have, I have an 80 year old guest and I have a 20 year old guest. So the range of which we serve, if I only had apps, I think half our customers, I'm not comfortable doing that. You know, I used to think I have to, now it changes every day for my kids, but it's Instagram and, or text. My own daughter's like, why do you text me? I'm like, I don't know. This is what we used to do. But if I tried to text my parents, they'd be like, ah, I got to call them. And then somebody in between, they get email and they respond. They wouldn't respond to a text. So everybody's different. Everybody likes to be treated different and communicate differently. So I think for us, we don't lose that human touch, but we use technology to help us and those that like to use it. And that's how they live and that's how they wish to be treated. And, you know, I go back to, I won't go down a rabbit hole unless you want to hear it, but my dad once told me, you know, I don't know your business, but I travel a lot. And I always think about, I go back to a place that they know me, that I feel comfortable. And it was always the people. And, you know, I didn't know any better, but I would come into the heart of the house and see the housekeepers, I'd see the room dining people, see some engineers. And I literally had a boss once tell me, you know, I hear you're in these other areas. I recommend you stay in the marble and carpeted areas of the hotel. I was so young, I didn't even know what she meant. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> really what she's saying is, you know, the heart of the house is for the line staff. And I said, okay. I worked in restaurants. I was a line staff, so I kind of just was also comfortable. But I played softball with the engineers at Central Park because I like playing sports. I played basketball with the banquet staff in Bellman on Thursdays. And I bowled. I was also making poverty level income in New York City. And I bowled with housekeepers on Friday in Penn Station. So I got to know Julissa. I got to know Timmy. I got to know Billy. And one story was, I mean, there's stories with each one of them, but one was Bellman. So now imagine a New York Union Hotel. Bellman, his name tag said William. He went by Billy. We played basketball together. He was the bell captain. And if you're in a New York hotel, your luggage can sit there for a minute or a day. So. I'd go down and see Billy, hey, Billy, I got this guy, he really needs his bag. I was, which one is it? Right? I think it's this guy. You got it. Handled. I had a colleague go down like, what's your name? William? I need these bags. And he literally walked away. Like, if you don't know your people, you don't have a relationship. Air conditioners are down. Timmy, I got, I got this guy, he screams. He's like, Ralph, there's 50 people with the air conditioner down. Your guy's covered. I got you covered. Julissa, hey, these guys are going to check in early. Ralph, she was a Jamaican woman. She says, Ralphie, I got you covered. Clean that room right now. So it wasn't because I demanded it or pull rank because I had no rank. You take care of your friends. You take care of each other if you have a relationship. Otherwise, it's just work. So you have to spend time with people to build a relationship. Yeah. So walking through the heart of the house and seeing them and say, and bowling, they were wondering, literally, leadership was, you're a manager. I was a junior level poverty manager. Like, actually, I make so little. I needed something to do on Friday nights. <laughs> And you guys paid for it, so I went bowling. Like, why would you do that? Softball, just something to do on a Sunday afternoon in Central Park. But you just be yourself. And I didn't grow up this way, so I just, normal, natural person. I think with Tom, he uses his Kentucky thing, his sort of, I go, I'm from Jersey. I'm like, you're Kentucky. So I'm just a podunk, ho you know, hody guy from Kentucky. I'm like, I'm just a Jersey boy. So I just always stayed true to who I was. Didn't matter what suit I wore, or what my name tag said, or what my business card said and just be that person.
Great hospitality providers know that every touchpoint matters a lot, so they spend a lot of time making sure that each interaction better serves their guests and makes life easier for their teams. If you'd like to operate this way, I suggest you check out Sojourn. They've built a reputation as the market leader in helping hotels and resorts earn direct bookings through digital advertising over the years. And more recently, they've expanded into offering a complete suite of guest experience solutions, including an AI smart concierge, reputation manager, and guest marketing suite. I've been working with Sojourn for years now, and everything from the way their technology is built to the talented experts they have on staff makes it no surprise that when I talk with people about technology, Sojourn comes up again and again. Hospitality providers love them. If you'd like to learn more about how Sojourn can help you better engage your guests and drive more profitable direct bookings, visit Sojourn.com. That's S-O-J-E-R-N.com. Before we go, I want to let you know about a few more things. First, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite app to stay inspired each day by actionable insights from the most interesting people in hospitality. Second, I've started sharing videos and photos from the stories on this show on Instagram and YouTube, so if you'd like to see those or watch along, I encourage you to follow Hospitality Daily there so we can stay in touch. Third, if you'd like to listen to more conversations like the one you just heard, visit this podcast website at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. I've spent a lot of time building out this website because I want to make it really easy for you to listen to the topics and guests that you are interested in, whether that's culture and leadership or operations or technology or something else. Browse and search the entire library of more than 400 episodes for some of the top leaders and innovators in hospitality at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. Dot com to get ideas for delighting the people around you and reaching your business and career goals. I produce this podcast each day and give it away for free because I want us all to learn and grow together. If you enjoyed today's episode, I just have one favor to ask. Please take a moment to text or email this episode to a friend or colleague who might appreciate it as well. They'll be grateful to hear from you and what we covered in the show can help them as I hope it helped you today. Thanks for listening and I'll see you here tomorrow. 